How about now? Hey, can people hear me? Clear enough? All right, fantastic. If you can't tell, this is my first time doing this. So um, thank you for your patience with me um, as I yeah, seek to yeah, share with you all um, some things that I've been learning. Um, I'll probably be a little nervous and talk rather quickly. Um, but yeah, have grace with me, please. Um, for starters, um, if you don't know who I am, that's fine. Um, I am Kent. Um, I have the privilege of working on the mobilization team here at Lakeview um, alongside Kevin, alongside Hal, alongside the rest of the staff here at Lakeview um, to train and equip healthy and effective disciples and disciple makers um, to go long-term um, to the nations, um, to see the unreached reached with the gospel. Um, a big part of that is making disciples. And if you think that that qualifies me to speak on disciple making, um, wait until I introduce how I got here. Um, I grew up overseas. Um, my parents, many of you know them, they're awesome, at least Mama Val. Um, and so I grew up overseas among disciple making. Um, and in a lot of ways, that was really cool. I got to see a lot of things and learn a lot of things. Um, also, growing up in that environment, I thought I knew all the answers because I grew up in it. So I thought I knew better than everyone else. I knew how to make disciples. Um, so I came back to the States um, 2015 um, with a pretty big chip on my shoulder that said, hey, I know how to do this. Um, I had a lot of distaste for the church in the States. Um, I, yeah, had a lot against her. I thought, yeah, well, if people are in the States, they aren't making disciples or they don't care about the nations or they don't really love Jesus, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and pretty quickly, um, God pointed out to me, he said, hey, that's my bride you're spitting on. Um, those are people I love. I paid just as much for them as I did for you. Um, I didn't plan to cry this early, um, but it's about to happen. Um, yeah, so um, I wanted to go ahead and go back overseas as soon as possible. I was like, I'm here to grab my degree and get back on a plane. Like, I don't want to be in the States more than three years. Um, and yeah, through a long process um, of a lot of crying uh, and a lot of journaling and a lot of seeking counsel, um, I thought it was pretty clear from God um, saying along the lines of, hey, I don't need you. I don't need you to go do this work or save the nation. Like, I can do that. I can turn stones into disciple makers. Um, I want your heart. I want you to love me more and to know me more. Uh, and the place that's least surrendered is loving the church. Um, and I wrestled with that for a long time. Um, I um, learned that you can't say no, Lord. You either say yes, Lord, or you say no. But if you say no, he's not your Lord. A lot of you have probably heard that. Um, and so that was the state of my heart. I said, no, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to stay um, with these people who speak English and drive nice cars. I want to go live in hard places and get shot at and uh, make God be known. And he said, bro, that's, like, that's not even your responsibility. Like your responsibility is to be surrendered and to love me. Um, so it took a hot minute um, for me to say, okay, like if I repent of that, will you let me go? And he was like, bro, you missed the point. Like, like, that is, you don't give God a little bit more of yourself so you can have more of your way. Like, that's not the point. Um, so you can get that tattooed if you need to. Please don't. Please, please don't. Please don't. Um, and so he said, I don't need you to go do that. Would you consider staying and loving my bride? Um, that was really, really hard. Still is hard. A lot of days. Um, so I say that. And so, and so as a result, I graduated a couple years ago. I was here. Um, at Lakeview, and then went to Houston and mobilized for two years, and I'm back here mobilizing, uh, and love it very, very much. Um, 
and that's still a part of my heart that the Lord is like teaching me to surrender um, slowly and bit by bit. So in case from the first couple sentences you thought that I was qualified, um, let this very quickly disqualify me um, from being the expert on this. Um, I'm no expert in loving other believers or coaching them in how to love Jesus. Um, I would call myself the chief of sinners if that wasn't plagiarism. Um, so, but what I can and hope to offer um, in these next couple minutes is that I realize how desperately and how deeply I want to love God by loving his bride and by making disciples. Um, God has been really merciful and really kind to show me um, through his word, through others, through examples, through rebuke, through failure, um, through a lot of things, what it looks like to love the bride. And so that's what I want to share um, is what he's shown me. That's about all I can offer. Um, I hope that you take everything that I say with a big grain of the spirit, salt, um, like check this out in the word for yourself and come ask me about it. Um, like this isn't like a sermon from the back of the Bible. This isn't like in the appendix, like, ah, oh, I've been reading this part that y'all haven't. Um, like this is gathering what I've learned um, to the best of my ability. Um, so yeah, take that as you will. Um, I'd love to pray for us. Um, yeah, as we, yeah, start talking about this. Um, yeah, God, um, you are good and you are kind and we want to know you and know you more. We want to make you known. Um, yeah, we want to surrender more and more of ourselves. Um, yeah, why would we not want to surrender every inch of our lives um, to you and to be made more like you? Um, yeah, in this time, would we hear you clearly? Um, not me, not the things I've prepared, not even my experience, um, but that yeah, each of us would walk away um, tonight thinking about you, wanting you more, uh, and have maybe an idea of where to start in how to make others know you as well, how to walk with others. Um, not perfectly, and not have all the answers, but at least have some good questions to ask um, as we pursue you and making you known. Would you ease our fears? Would you ease our frustrations? Would you ease our distractions? We want to know you and see you more clearly. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That was the first part where I was going to cry. I think I'm safe for a couple minutes. Um, so I'd love to start with a definition. I think it's the next slide. Here we go. Um, this, again, is not in the appendix. This isn't in the back of the Bible. Um, this is basically, um, yeah, how I've seen all the pieces of discipleship, a relationship that moves people towards God, kind of ends up being something like this. Um, discipleship is leveraging my love of God, my time, my attention, and my affection to help this person who I'm discipling to know God and to be more like God. You could pick that apart. You could probably find some other things or more nuance to it. But for the sake of tonight, um, let's talk about discipleship as if it's that. It's a relationship and it's choosing to leverage what we have and what we know to help others know God more. The end of that is to know God and to be more like God, um, which means that discipleship is a means to an end. So the point of discipleship is not to disciple people, right? Um, it's not to check off that box or to say that we did um, or even to obey it for the sake of obeying it. It is a command, and we should obey it, but it's not for the sake of that. Um, it is the means to knowing God, to being more satisfied in him, to being more like him, and to being free from sin. Um, just generally enjoying and loving God more, right? Um, so if discipleship um, is those things, to help someone know God and be more like God, 
if we don't want those things, if we don't want to know God or be more like God, you have no business making disciples if that's not the point. Um, if you don't love God and want to be more like him, then if you successfully disciple someone, they will also not love and know God. Does that make sense? If you're reproducing what you are and you don't love God and he doesn't satisfy you, like why would you want another one of that compared to I love God and I'm sold out and what's on his heart is on my heart. Like, yes, cool, let's duplicate that, right? Um, so that's where it has to start. Um, so I think the next slide is a whole bunch of verses. There's a lot of verses in here, if you can tell, and you can't really see the references super clearly, but I'll read those out. Um, we have a lot of verses um, we're going to cover. Um, so you can write them down or not. Come get the slides from me later if you want. Um, the first one is to know and enjoy God. So Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Raise your hand if that's a God that you want. Awesome. Cool. Um, we won't do that for every verse, but that's the idea. Um, Psalm 16.11, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I really want that. <laughs> like, that is a God I want and I could sell out to. Um, Psalm seventy-three twenty-six: My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Like, I need that on a daily basis. I fail, I'm weak, I'm stupid, I'm selfish, I'm angry. I need a God who is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That sounds like really satisfying to me. That sounds awesome. Um, for some reason, it also pleases him. Um, Philippians 2.13 talks about, for it is God who works in you both to will and to, um, and to work for his good pleasure. Yeah, God loves us and wants a relationship with us. Like that should be a good enough reason by itself. Um, thankfully, God is kind enough that he tells us what he wants and he tells us that we should do it. He tells us why we should do it. And he tells us how we can do it. Like he is kind. That's the entirety. He gives us the how, the why, um, the reasons. He gives us a lot behind it. Um, so he delights in having a relationship with us. And getting to know him and loving him is like our natural overflow response. If he loves us, like really loves us. And if we get that, then our natural response is to love him back and to like, pursue him wholeheartedly, right? Um, if someone came up to you and handed you a million dollars and solved all of your problems and gave you all the love you could ever need, you probably wouldn't be dismissive and be like, oh, cool, thanks. You'd probably be like, wait, hold on, who are you? Thank, thank you so much. Like, why? Thank you so much. Like, where did this come from? Why did you pick me? Like, you would be so intrigued. Um, yeah, by that person. Um, a Another part of that, um, a friend shared with me a rock climbing analogy. Um, if I invite a friend, Jacob, and I say, hey, Jacob, I love rock climbing, and he goes, cool. Okay. The next day, I say, hey, Jacob, I love rock climbing. He goes, oh, that's cool. You told me that last time I read the Wikipedia page. I'm like, okay, you're like oh, kind of interested to do that on your free time. The next day, I say, hey, Jacob, I love rock climbing, and he goes, yeah, I like watched some YouTube videos. I was wondering if I could even like come watch you rock climb. Like, okay, cool. Like that's a little buy-in. And the next day I say, hey, Jacob, I love rock climbing. And he goes, 
that is so cool. That sounds terrifying. I kind of have a fear of heights and like my left ankle's kind of weak. Can I come climb with you? Like which of those is like reciprocating, like you love this, I want to do this with you, right? Um, so as we're transformed into God's image and realize how much he loves us and wants to be part of satisfying us, if instead of saying, hey, I love rock climbing, he says, hey, I love you. And we're like, cool story. Like that doesn't really add up, right? And if he says, hey, I love you and I want to satisfy you and be your everything. And we're like, okay, I don't know where to start, but I want that too. Like that is like the right response of our hearts um, to God moving towards us. Um, a second part is being satisfied in him. I think we have another slide. I don't know. I just made the slides a couple minutes ago. So, um, yeah, I just want to like read through these and you can take notes or you can listen and hear these things as if God is saying them to you about you. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Whoever drinks of the waters that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That sounds like a God who is set on satisfying us, right? Like, if you're hungry and if you're thirsty, I will satisfy you. If you're dry and scorched and your bones hurt, I will satisfy you. I will strengthen you. Like, that is God's desire to satisfy us. Um, that is just like, life-giving to me. Like, I would, I would chew on these for as long as I could, um, whether you write these down or whatever. Like, these are verses that you're like, if this is true, if I really got this, if I really understood this in my bones, how would my life be different? If I really understood that he says, I will satisfy you. That's pretty good to me. I want that. Um, another thing that God wants um, is for us to be changed into his likeness. Um, yeah, we have another slide. There we go. Um, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Thankfully, he doesn't just leave us as a really pathetic rock climber. He like lets us like join him in that and get better at it. Um, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Like, if you love me, you'll keep my word. Like, you'll obey what I say. Not in like a, these are, these are the rules. These are the, if you don't do these, there's consequences. But it's like, here's how you move towards me. Like, you will change as a result of drawing near to Jesus. Like, parts of you will fall away left and right as you, like, give them up and get rid of every backpack and every, you know, leg weight or whatever. Like, you're just like, tearing parts of you off as you like sprint towards Jesus, like heavy things that weigh you down. Um, and you're like being strengthened and built into his image. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. Like I'm 25 and I feel really old sometimes. I feel pretty tired. 
I'm like, I want to be made new. Like, surely my bones shouldn't hurt at 25. Like, I got up the other day, and I was like, this cannot be happening. Like, I want to be made new. And that's just physically, emotionally. I get tired. I get tired of being patient with people. I get tired of myself. I get tired of how hard things are. I get tired of losing people. I get tired of losing things. Um, I grow weary really quickly um, and spiritually. Um, but in being made a new creation, he like renews those things and grows those things and gives more patient. Like I would have, if I was running off of my own patience, I would have run out a long time ago. And Jesus gives more of that. I would have run out of love for my family, my friends, my coworkers a long time ago if I was running off of Kent's steam or battery power. And like God makes us new and he changes us. He both like refills us, but it's not just like you stay at the same level of you but you're being made new. You're being changed. You're being more like him. If someone says, hey, I don't even recognize you. I knew you from 12 years ago. I'd be like, thank God. (laughs) Like, I really don't want to be who I was 12 years ago. I don't even want to be who I was last week. Like, I want to be more and more like Christ. Um, So in that, like, obedience has a big part to do with that. Um, If obedience is like the instructions to have more of him. So putting together some of the things we've seen so far, if God wants for me to have more of him and him to have more of me, like if that's the destination, if we see God like that and the word and the instructions and the Bible and yeah, the commandments are like the GPS to get us to here. Like if this is what God wants and he says, here's how this happens. Like why would I let anything keep me from that? What would keep me from that was if I'm not sold on this destination or if this cost seems too high. That would be what shoots me in the ankles, right? If I'm like, sweet, my GPS says drive to Indiana. And I say, but I don't want to go to Indiana. That's the reason I wouldn't follow it. Or if it said, hey, go to, I don't know, Disney World or this awesome city. And the GPS is kind of like sketchy or glitching out or says it's going to take you 400 hours to get there. And I'd be like, eh, I don't know about that. But if we believe that God is where we're getting to. We're getting more of God and he's getting more of us. And these are good instructions and they're like reliable and make sense. Then if you put those together, it's like, that seems like a straight shot to me. Like, let's walk in these things to know and get more of God. Like he's coming to get us and he's how we like move towards him. Like, that seems really sweet to me. That seems like a, like, it's like it's rigged, right? Like, awesome. So we just start doing it and start obeying and moving towards him and we get more of him. Pretty much. So that's where we're going. Um, Yeah, a caveat of that is you might not know or trust God enough yet to want that. Um, You might see his goodness in the word or, and maybe not see it in your life that clearly. You're like, hey, you make all these promises. We sing these awesome things. And I don't see that yet. God is so patient and so kind He gets that. And he's not an angry dad standing at the top of the staircase, tapping his foot and being like, come on, come on. We've talked about this. I I literally told you that last year. Are you kidding me? That's not his attitude towards us. He's like, I know. Okay, come on, let's work on it. Like step by step, like learn to love me and trust me more and more. And the more you do that, like the even faster you'll, or the more you'll want him and want to, move faster towards him. If that starts by crawling towards him and being like, hey, I don't know if I, like, I haven't seen you do this and this and this. And he's like, okay, 
like, doesn't change his character. He's not like, oh, you're right, maybe I'm not a good dad. He's like, no, 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 I am. I am. Let me show you how I am. If you're like, I don't know if I can trust you with my future. He's like, let me show you how I'm a good shepherd. Like, he delights in answering that. Um, so trust him. Like, use what you learned from the Word to, like, know God's character and trust him. Start with that. Um, not, it's not all based off of your experience. Like, that'd be a really horrible way to follow God is based off your experience. But when you say, hey, I hear this, and I don't see how this adds up, he says, okay, come on, let me show you. And that is really, really sweet. I don't know any other father or any other shepherd that always has that attitude towards us besides God. Um, and then a fourth part of that is being free from sin. Like as, we're, as God pursues us, sin is like those backpacks, those things that we're like getting rid of as we move towards him. Um, yeah, James 4, 7 through 10 talks about, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Did you hear that? <laughs> draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Like that, that is some good news. Um, that makes me want God more. That makes me want to get rid of anything that's going to slow me down, right? Um, there's a lot more to that verse. Um, yeah, clean your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, um, you double-minded. Um, humble your, and then it goes on, um, and then humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Like, part of that is, like, like we wash our hands, and we, like, choose to not sin, and we have a part of moving towards him. Um, he draws us, and that's all like by his grace that he gives us the strength to even say yes and listen to the Spirit. Like that's, that's him pulling, like it's rigged, but there's part of us that he delights in us choosing, cool, I'm going to like move towards you in this way. A lot of, I realize a lot of this is like, I don't know, theory and concept, if that makes sense. Um, that's how I understand it um, best, um, and that might not necessarily land or be the way that makes most sense to each of you. Um, if that is the case, I'm sorry, and I wish I could explain it another way. And if it doesn't make sense, please talk to me, and I'd love to try to explain it in a way that does make sense. Um, you also have some incredible people here who can explain these things a lot better than I can, such as Kevin, such as Sophie, um, such as the other staff um, of this church, the other interns, um, Riley, like, can probably explain these things a lot better than I can, uh, and probably in language that makes more sense. Um, but for my part, this is how I understand and see um, ways that we can move towards God. Um, if we see, like, our hurt, um, like, we'll, I'll show you the analogy in a minute, so it might take a second to get there. Um, but imagine a toddler has a stomach bug, right? They ate something bad, whatever, their stomach hurts. Um, but they know that, say, cleaning chemicals kill bugs, right? Or they kill bacteria. And so if the toddler takes a sip of the cleaning chemical, because he's like, oh, this will fix my problems, that doesn't help. And the kid's a lot sicker than he was to start with, right? That is, as I see, how God describes sin in a lot of cases. Sometimes it's rebellion. Sometimes it's those things. It's also like if we're trying to medicate our own pain and we're just like, cool, I'm just going to take the fastest, the quickest, the easiest drug, whatever. Has that ever worked out for any of you? Have any of you been like, yeah, sin satisfies? Like, no, like you end up with a worse stomach ache. You end up throwing up and going to the hospital, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, um, compared to God healing. And what's so cool, what's so cool is that God doesn't get tired of us asking for help. If we come to him the 400th time of the day and say, hey, daddy, my tummy hurts, he's never like, okay, 
Really? That is never his heart posture toward us. He is kind and compassionate and patient. That means you never have to stand in the corner with your stomach hurting. Oh, I've already, I've already used up my help me dad today. Oh, this isn't a big enough deal. Oh, it's just a little, it's just a little stomach ache. Maybe if I throw up and it gets really bad, then I'll ask him for help. But he might get mad at me. That is never God's heart posture toward us. Um, yeah, if our view of God is, say, you wreck your dad's car. If your view is, oh, if dad finds out, he's going to kill me. Compared to, you get in a car wreck and you say, I need to call dad. Dad will come and fix this and make it all right. He might like, tell me how not to later, or I might be grounded or whatever. But like, I need to call him very first. Like, that should be our heart posture towards God. If we say, oh no, like, oh, God's going to be so mad at me. Praise God. That's not who he is. <laughs> um, yeah, he is a good father. Um, I'm probably just going to say that a lot of times. Um, yeah, sin kills and separates us from God. Um, and the more we love God and see him and know him, the faster we run to him when we have stomach aches, the faster we run to him when we have problems and when we have hurt, the less we want those medications that make us throw up anyways, right? Like the more he satisfies, the less we'll be looking for other things to satisfy us. Um, yeah, you can't just sin less because you feel like sinning less. Um, you sin less when your appetite for God increases. I don't know that, I think it's a John Piper quote, is the, the greatest, I'm looking to Kevin for help. I don't know if he knows. It's, it's something along the lines of like, the greater our appetite for God, the more, you know, we decrease our appetite for sin. Something like that. Um, he probably knows those things better than I do. That one. Yeah. 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 Um, that. That exactly. Look up Piper quote, sin, appetite, nibble, world. You'll, 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 you'll get there. You'll find it, I promise. Um, yeah. So, that's how appetite for God works. Um, that's all I have. Yeah. Um, so, a question that I have for you is, yeah, that I want you to like take a second and think on, um, is what if we, or for you, what if I don't pursue God and because I don't see him clearly. Um, what if we saw clearly that if we're saved, um, if we have saving relationship with Jesus, um, that we have God's full attention, affection, and approval. We have his attention, um, that he is omnipotent. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too big. We have full access. We don't have to wait in line. There's never someone having a worse crisis that God doesn't have time to look at us. If you're like, oh, but I know there's people having really bad things. I'm just having a bad day. I guess I need to be like 17th in line. Like God is at all of the spots in the line. Like he has full attention and affection for you. Um, full attention. Um, his affection is not based on us or our performance. Praise God. Um, because of Christ, we have God's full, unchanging, and unwavering affection. Um, the prodigal son is such a beautiful story to me. I cry almost every time. That's not saying much. It's a great part where um, he says, so the son has like royally messed up, absolutely spit on his dad, wasted all the stuff and wasted everything. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll come back to my dad. And it says, and while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son starts like, hey, but like, don't take me back. I just want to work in your house. Let me just be like a servant. And the dad is effectively like, shut up. Like, I'm so glad you're home. 
Like he puts a ring on his finger, like you're part of this family and shoes on his feet and the best robe. Like let it, let's make it very clear, you're not earning your way back into my approval. Like I love you. And that is God's heart and attitude towards us when we come back to him. Again, he's not the dad at the top of the staircase. Um, he like sees us and runs to us and embraces us with compassion. That's a God I really, really want. Um, and then approval. Um, Jesus satisfied the demands on the cross. Um, so everything you've done and everything you do and everything you will do has already been paid for. It is already done. You never have to hustle or strive for his approval. How many of you have felt at some point in your life that you had to like, like I've got to put a little muscle into God loving me? I, have, I still do. Several times a day probably. I'm like, I've got to, like, part of this is me. I've got to hustle. I've got to work. I've got to obey this better than I did last time. Like, then God will be happy with me. And that is wrong. Again, thankfully, he's so patient with us that I keep saying, hey, dad, I did this for you. Do you love me now? And he's like, bro, yeah, I, do. I, I love you. I loved you just as much before you did this. Like, this, this doesn't change anything. Like, I love it. Awesome. Thank you. But like, yeah, I didn't need that. I wasn't sitting here being like, man, he's going to come bring me a drawing to put on my fridge. And if it's ugly, I'm throwing that kid out. <laughs> he's never like that. And granted, even like our best works are like super ugly drawings. And he's never like, oh, that was, work on that again and then come back and I'll hug you. He's always like, dude, thank you so much. I love you. He has, yeah, he gives us his approval. Um, so I want to take a sec, couple seconds to think about that and close your eyes if necessary and really consider um, if you knew this God, this way, that you have his attention, affection, approval, that he loves you, wants to know you, and satisfy you. If you knew that deep in your bones, in your core, how different would your life be? Take a second to think about that. What would be different? And now ask if it would be that different. Hopefully those were like positive things, Right? when you're imagining, how would my life be different if I realized and really understood these things? How would my life be different? And then do I want that? I do. Do you want to know God like that, to be satisfied? For the words that we just sang, we sang, those are some good songs. And the song's about, you satisfy me, your steadfast love, your peace, I'm secure. I know all of those things very clearly in my head. I don't always believe them. I want, as I grow and know God more, I want those words to become more and more true, that I believe those things. Because I'll be like, I'm, I, I was trying to remember like one of the phrases to quote and like every song, they're just super good. But like, I am steadfast. I, I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. I sing that. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, sometimes I'm shaken. Sometimes I'm a little bit like, ooh, I don't know, God. Like, was that really your plan? And he is so kind to grow and change that. Um, and I want to know those things more and for those things to be more true every time I sing them, every time I read them. So how do we get there? Um, yeah, if you'll show the next slide. We finally get to discipleship, and it's the zipper. Um, so 
yeah, this is the analogy um, that I was thinking is useful. Analogies really mean a lot to me. Um, I find them useful. Um, it's hard to think without them. Um, so now that we've cast like the vision of like, this is why we want Jesus. And if you're still like, I don't know if that's the God I really want, like remember, like write that down. Like you need to talk, you need to like work on that before you think about discipleship. If you're like, I don't know if I really love God or want to follow him. Like, let's talk about that first. Like that is so much more important than what we're going to do with it. Does that make sense? Um, again, if discipleship is helping other people love and know God and you don't, like, let's talk about that first. Like, he wants to satisfy you before you try to help other people be satisfied, you know? Um, sorry, I started speaking really quickly there. Um, I got excited and have more notes than I can probably share at a good speed. So, discipleship is a zipper. Um, can everyone do this with me? This would be fun. Can everyone put their hands up like this? <laughs> so, it's a zipper where you connect it, right? Zip. Yeah. Oh, some people made the sound effect without me asking. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a zipper, right? Zip. Um, I, the, the, the range of faces I see right now is life-giving. This is hilarious. <laughs> Not life-giving, that's good. But um, this is so cool. So the analogy um, is if this is the God that we know, right, who offers everything we need or want, right? Do we believe that? Like, he's got it. That's what he's got. And this is us then we're connecting those things, right? Um, so discipleship is helping someone else zip, right? This is like knowing God, and discipleship is helping someone else with it. Um, the goal, again, this isn't like in the back of the Bible. If you have beef with this, let's talk about it. Um, but the goal of transformation and of knowing God in like your mind, your heart, your character, and your attitude and you, like your actions, the goal of all of those things being changed is you or the person you're discipling saying, like light bulb moment, I get how God's this connects to my this. His freedom connects to my bondage. His joy connects to my pain. His hope to my despair, his instruction and guidance to me being lost and confused his security to my fear, his peace to my anger, his forgiveness to my sin and guilt and shame. Like that is the goal is like helping people connect and get it. Um, if someone walks away from a discipleship time and they aren't any more closely connected to God, I don't know what you accomplished in that time. And teaching them is obviously one thing. You're giving them information. Often that means, here's the thing, now you zip it up. Effective, not like zip it up, but like connect the dots. Um, in effective discipleship, I would say, this, is, this would be my hypothesis, is the more effective discipleship is, the more deeply those truths connect. You get to walk with them in knowing God more and more. If you get to the end of a nine-month discipleship relationship with someone, and I ask the, say, the girl you've been discipling. And she goes, yeah, we read a lot of scripture. We walked through a couple books. Yeah, it was really good. And I say, no, 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 like, how was it? And you're like, yeah, we got coffee. We met every week. It was awesome. And I say, like, how are you different? And they go, I don't know. Like, I'm so glad y'all built friendship. But, like, it doesn't sound like either of you, like, it doesn't sound like she knows God more, right? Um, if you say, 
yeah, I learned so much. We read these books and like my understanding of the Mosaic Covenant, pristine. You're like, great, awesome. Like, as a result, do you love God more? You're like, I mean, maybe. It's like, oh, man. Okay, like, good. I'm glad that you learned that. That is good. Like, can we talk about how that can't, how either what you just read or what you've been learning, like, how does that make you love and know God more? Um, yeah. Um, I've heard people ask, like, why do we, why, is discipleship optional? Do we have to? Um, sometimes it's people who are, I'm not a people person. It's like, okay, we can talk about that. Um, a lot of people I've heard are like, yeah, but I can do it by myself. I don't feel the need to be discipled or to disciple someone else. I have an awesome quiet time. God speaks to me. I think I've got it. Um, that is more like a stubborn toddler being like, I do it myself. It's more like that than like a, yeah, I'm strong and independent and I like go hike through the mountains for three weeks at a time and live off the land. Like that's not, that's not how it is. There's a reason in scripture when God describes his people, he calls us sheep, which are pretty stupid. He calls us chickens. He calls us children. He calls us, not like chicken, like scaredy cat, but like chickens. Um, I think that was on purpose. He's not saying, hey, by the time I'm done transforming you, you won't even need me. That is, that is, not, his, that is not the point. Um, he challenges us to love him more and to be more and more dependent on him. Um, and he chooses that we get to do that with each other. He is glorified that we do that with each other. Um, some of the very practical consequences of not being discipled, um, it's commanded, so you're disobedient. That's a pretty, that's a pretty strong consequence right off the bat. Um, you probably won't be challenged and you probably won't be strengthened. Um, I don't call myself out when I'm reading the word if I misinterpret something or choose to disobey something. I'm not like, oh, I shouldn't, you know. Like if someone else is like, hey, you said you're going to do this and you're not living it out. Or hey, we talked about this. What does it look like to live this out? I probably won't be challenged or strengthened by those things. Um, there's a ton more in scripture about if you fall, how will you get back up? Um, those kinds of things. So if you have beef with, is discipleship optional? Um, yeah, that's something I'd really like, that's something I'd really dig into. Because again, if you're not convinced that that's, like, don't do it half-heartedly if you don't think that's really worth doing. If you're like, oh, we heard this message and now everyone's supposed to, like, do more discipleship. Like, that's not a good enough reason. Come and be like, hey, I'm not sold. Like, let's talk about it. Um, yeah, so the role in discipleship is to help other people connect theirs. Um, when I have made this, in my experience, um, limited and flawed, um, in my experience, if this is my aim to help other people connect God to their needs, to their character, to their whatever's lacking, whatever's weak, when I make this my aim, I find my disciples are strengthened better than any other way. And my affections are stirred when I get to share about Jesus, like truth coming out of my mouth to other people does, I don't know why, but that can do a greater working for our heart than hearing someone else say it. If Stone says, Jesus loves you, I might be like, okay. And if I'm like, hey, let me tell you how like you feel unloved and unwanted 
and how God meets you in that, like, that is, like, that is good for those things to come out of my mouth and for me to hear those. It's not like, oh, you love hearing yourself talk. It's like, it does something in my heart much more when I share it than even when I hear it. Um, obviously, both is good. Like, please, like, hear it and share it as well. Um, but when that is the goal to help other people connect, I found that changes things. So how do we get there? Um, are we doing good? Okay, cool. Um, so the plan for disciple making, how do we get there? So this is the like nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts. Um, so yeah, so this is, I do this hand motion a lot, if you couldn't tell either with, yeah, either way. Um, another like, consider this first before you start making disciples is like it's priority in your life. Um, if you're too busy um, or you say, I, it's go to church always, read your Bible if you wake up on time, do discipleship if you have time in certain seasons and share the gospel when it strikes your fancy. Like that's, that's not a good set of rules to live by. <laughs> like I don't think you'll change and know God much more that way. You won't be obeying him really. Other people won't know him more if that's how you're, how you're I don't know, if discipleship is optional. Um, if spending time in prayer with other believers is optional. If I'm free on a Wednesday evening, I'll come to prayer meeting and you're free once a semester. Like, sounds like prayer isn't a priority. Oh, I disciple people if I have time. If my class schedule's not too crazy, yeah, if there's not other things going on. Sounds like it's not a priority. Um, and if it's not, again, God is gracious and kind not to shame you into, we'll make it a priority. Just just tear, tear it off the leaderboard and just nail it onto the top and you need to love it. Just do it more. Like again, he's kind and gracious and doesn't do that. But if you're like, man, it's in third place. It's below grades or it goes God, career, family, future, discipleship if I have time. And if you're asking, well, I don't have time in my week. Like, we can talk about that. We'll talk about when and how you do that, like the time management part. Um, but if it's, if our goal is to know and love God and to make him known, and we cut that in half, like, that, make, that makes a big difference if we separate those things. When Jesus said, he said, come follow me. Was that the end of the sentence? What did he say? And I will make you fishers of men. Like us following him and us fishing for men and helping bring other people in, both believers and the lost, he didn't, yeah, those weren't separate commands. That was like, come follow me and I will change you and you will overflow that to other people. And if your heart's not there yet, like that is where you start. Like, do you love God? Do you want to be more like him? And are you convinced that in that you draw other people with you? Like that's where we're going with this. Um, yeah, so... Who, uh, I don't know what the next slide is. Hey, that'll work. Um, so who do I disciple? Um, the first rubric for, okay. So where do we start? How do we start doing this? Um, you want to find people who preferably are faithful, available, and teachable. Those are some pretty good marks for someone you're going to pour into. Um, if they're not faithful, if they say, I'm going to work on this thing, and they don't. Or, uh, I don't know. I didn't really love our last lesson. Maybe we should read something else. Sounds like they're not faithful. Maybe they don't want it. Maybe they're not sold on, yeah, 
discipleship or changing to know God more or it's not a priority. Um, faithfulness matters. Um, doesn't mean they can't ever, you know, skip a meeting or something. Um, but if it's not making a difference in their life or if they sit back the entire time with their arms crossed and like, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. It's like, okay, like, like, when, like let's, talk, let's either talk about that. Like, why is this hard? Why do you not want this? Like, talk about that first. Because if you, you're just burning your tire, your, whatever it's called, spinning your tires out. If you just, like, keep spending time with someone who's, yeah, not faithful. Um, there's obviously, like, nuance to all of these things. Um, this is just, like, the high flyover. Um, available. If they are never able to meet, or they can meet for 30 minutes real quick between classes, and that's the only free time they have, it's probably not a priority to them, right? If they're always checking their phone, or if they say, hey, I can, I, I can but if something better comes up, I'm going to do that. Or, man, my schedule's really busy. Can we meet next week? Can we meet next week? Can we meet next week? And you meet three times in the year? It's like, all right, probably wasn't our priority, right? Um, yeah, like they need to be available, both like time-wise and like attention. If they show up, but they're super tired or scatterbrained, not like stupid scatterbrained, but just like distracted and all over the place, like you can be like, cool. Like what if we just like sat and you just like collected yourself for 30 minutes or we just prayed? Like that seems to be probably like the priority right now rather than like try to cram something in here. Like it sounds like what you need most right now is just some space to like breathe. You can do that. Um, and then teachable. If they have beef with everything you say, you're like, all right, let's talk, let's talk about that first, right? Um, if it's broke, fix it. Don't just keep running with it. And if that means you get to semester five of discipling them and they're becoming not faithful or not available or not teachable, like you have to have a DTR, like talk about the relationship. Because if you're like, ah, it's uncomfortable or it's weird or they don't, ah, they don't show up but we're so close to the end, let's just stick it out another couple weeks or months. Like, who is that helping? It's a waste of your time. It's falling on deaf ears. Like, this doesn't make sense. Um, and so, yeah, like, work on these things first. Um, yeah, being teachable. Um, as far as practically, pockets of these people, MCGs and your MCG leaders. Like, that is community for you to be in. Those are leaders who are faithful, available, teachable. They are shepherded. They are coached. Like, those are people who can be your leaders. If you are one of those MCG leaders, like, awesome. You have a pool of people to start discipling. Guys and guys, girls and girls, like, this is awesome. This is cool. It's rigged that you automatically have people in your circles. Um, I would highly recommend being part of an MCG if you're not one. Like, you will be around other people who love Jesus and want to be more like him when you feel like it and when you don't, unless you skip. Like, and that is good for you. If you only show up to be with other believers when you feel like it, I probably wouldn't most of the time, right? Because I'm selfish and I'm sinful. But when it's like, ah, like I'm expected to be here. And if that's the reason that gets me there and I meet more of God and know more of God when I'm there, like hopefully, like don't show up with a rotten attitude. But even if you show up and you're like, man, like there's some things going on, but like I know I need to be, I know I need to hear the word. and I should probably sing. And like it would be good for me to be in prayer right now. Like that is a good thing. And like MCG, if you sign up for it and like, your leader texts you like, hey, we missed you. What was up? And you're like, oh, I had this exam. It's like, okay. And if you missed three weeks, it's like, hey, bro, are you avoiding God or what? <laughs> you know, like, like, like be here. Like be in community. Let's do this together. Um, yeah, if you don't have those people, there are godly men and women in this church who would love to disciple you. Like um, I, senior year, I guess, um, 
Y'all know Glenn Solly? The man. Um, he was discipling me and another guy named Matt. And we sat down, and I'm talking about, you know, missions and nations and stuff. And Matt's talking about aerospace engineering. And Glenn looks at both of us. It's like 6.15 in the morning at a Hardee's. Like, no one should be awake at that time. And he's like, well, I don't know a lot about the deaf in uh, missions and stuff. And I don't know too much about aerospace engineering. But uh, I've been praying for like 45 years. Do you all want to learn how to do that? And we were like, yeah, yeah, come on, awesome, cool. So whether you all click or your personalities are the best, like that doesn't matter as much. If they love God and know God and have been doing that, probably, you know, two times, if not three or four times as long as you've been alive, like those are people worth learning from. Um, because they love and know God. Not just because they're older, although wisdom comes with gray hair. The Bible says it. Um, like learn from those people. Um, seek them out. Cliff, um, he, if y'all know Cliff Knight, awesome. He has been, he and his wife Tama have been discipling and training people for 38 years, something like that. Like they've been, they've been doing this a while. And the people, whether them or the people that they disciple, like I talked with Cliff last week, and he said, like, when are you going to connect some of y'all's college kids with the guys that I've been discipling? They're ready to disciple people. And I was like, oh, it's, it's literally a matter of like, men, meet the men. Women, meet the women. Go for it. Like, it is, it is almost that easy. Um, so if you want to be connected to one of those guys, come on. Come talk to me. Come talk to Cliff. Come talk to Kevin. Ladies, same thing. Um, there was the reconnect night the other night. It's like, come meet the other women in the church. Like, this is not the entirety of the church right here. Like, there's so much more for you to be discipled by than someone two semesters ahead of you or two years ahead of you. Like, learn from the people who have been doing this for so long. They're like, I forgot that finals exist. I'm like, you're someone I want to learn from because I'm going to talk about how hard school is and you're going to say, that's not the important thing right now. Like, how's your prayer life? And I'm like, no, you don't understand this final. And she's like, I don't even remember my major. <laughs> the only thing I remember from college was that I had the opportunity to spend more time learning how to pray and I didn't. So that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to talk to you about finals. Like, you need some of that. Like, you need some of that. Um, yeah, the perspective is, like, a lot bigger than, like, you have in this room. So also, like, disciple, like, yeah, disciple the people in your MCGs and the people around you. Also, there's, like, a lot of people to be discipled by, and there's youth. Um, are, do youth need to be discipled, Rayshon? Easy money. Yeah, they pay you to disciple youth. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, like, like, like. Pour into these high schoolers. Like, you don't need to be an expert or have a master. You just need to be like, hey, I've learned this. Do you want to come learn how to pray with me? I'm not even that great at it. Do you want to come pray with me? Hey, we're going to have some lost friends over, and I'm going to, like, try to share the gospel with them. You want to come over? We're going to play Catan. Like, this high schooler comes. And how cool would it be if their story starts like, man, this random college person showed up and said, hey, would you like to be part of my life? I love God. He means so much to me. I want to overflow that to you. Is that cool? That would be awesome. That would be so cool. And there's a bunch of them. Like, yeah. You have people to disciple in the youth and in your MCGs, and there's people to disciple you. Also, the reverse side of this coin is be this. Be this. If you expect this of the people you're discipling, then you need to be that for the person discipling you. If you're come on, come on, you need to meet with me. I know finals are coming up, but you need to meet with me. And your person reaches out to you, and you're like, sorry, bro, I'm too busy. 
It's like, all right, hypocrisy. Like, be, be that. Be that too. Um, yeah, next one. Like, how do you do that? Um, well, I guess actually before that um, is like, how often and how long do you do that? Um, when Jesus called us to be fishers of men, he didn't say, and fish for men an hour a week. Um, he said, be fishers of men. That doesn't mean that all of your time will be full-time discipling, um, but as you go. Um, so invite your people, like, hopefully you're eating more than one meal a day. Invite your disciple to that. To come over and have breakfast, even if you don't talk about anything. Have them over for breakfast. Drive to class together. Study together. Do life together. Not just when you're like sitting and talking. Like do that, and that is good. But read the word together and pray together and do random life stuff together. Like that is um, getting to do it together. Like the rock climbing. You don't just like, hey, meet me at the gym. Yeah, this is a cool wall. Yeah, so what have you been learning about the theory and stuff? Like get on the wall. Like go do the things. Um, so don't go out of your way to spend time with your disciples like fold them into your way. Like also set aside time for them, but like fold them into whatever you're doing. Going grocery shopping? Hey bro, I'm going grocery shopping between classes. Like you in or not? Nah? Like, hey, I, on Tuesday mornings, I have later classes and um, I love spending time in the word, you know, at the student center for 45 minutes before we have this class. I know you don't have class then. Like you want, you want, you want to get up a little bit earlier and like, Come spend time in the Word with me. We don't even have to talk about it. Let's just sit together and read together. Like, like, pull them into what you're already doing. Um, you probably already have the time. You might not be able to add, you know, an hour or two block to your calendar, but you have a whole calendar. Like, invite them into the events you're already doing. Like, double up. Um, yeah. Also, doing this as a group, having them do it together, I would say, disciple more than one person at a time. If you disciple two people, they learn relationship from you. They learn how to do it with each other. That makes it a lot easier for them to like, if they're like, oh, I've only ever learned. But it's like, oh yeah, I've practiced this with, the, with my peer. That's good. And like, lets you practice it for when they get to pass on to other people. Also, on occasion, as necessary, you can ditch and they can still get together and love and encourage and do the thing together. That is like awesome. If it's, oh, I can't make it. And that, you know, then your person is like, really? Like I set aside this time. I was already at Coffee Cat and now I just have like this hour to waste. Instead of being like, cool, man, we'll miss you. But Hannah and I are going to read together anyways. Or cool, Blake and I are still going to go sharing. Like, like, we'll miss you, but cool, we can do this together. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Please do it as a group. Um, and then what? More is caught than taught. Um, yeah, learning by example, is a really big deal. Um, there's, gotta go fast. Um, oh, first real quick, on like what you're talking about. Teaching is often like information transfer, like let me tell you things and then you get to digest it. In discipleship, like you want them to digest and to understand the thing. You measure it by like if they get it, if they're changed by it, more than if they heard it. Because they can even hear it, they can even repeat it back to you. Like that's awesome. But if you see their life has changed as a result, if I say, I don't, have, I don't have a good example for that. But anyways, like do it by example, um, by them learning it, by digesting, um, but you have to live it out as well. Um, if you're teaching them to pray, you can read a book on prayer. You can talk about prayer. You can read some scripture about prayer or you can pray together. 
Like, which do you think will make a greater difference? If someone says, yeah, I'm super equipped at building airplanes. I've read all the books. I'd be like, you're not building my plane. If they're like, I was an apprentice and I've been building planes for 28 years. You're like, cool. How many of them broke? And they're like, nope. I learned how to do it really, really well. You're like, cool. I want you to build my plane. Because you've had experience and you've done it. You know, and maybe one plane broke. I don't know. Like, it's not, per- it's not perfect. But if we say, yeah, we pray with our disciples, meaning we sprinkle 30 seconds of like, Lord, bless our time together. Like you're praying, you're like blessing it real quick. Or even like, God, we invite you into this time. That's good. Or spend half of your time praying together. Or set aside, hey, we're just going to pray today. We're not even going to talk. We're just going to pray. Confess and praise and thank God. Like, do that. Model that. Please pray with your disciples. Um, I don't know if I can say if you do nothing else, but please pray with your disciples. Like, that matters. Um, Yeah, you don't have to teach them, um, but you can coach them how. If you give them all the answers, you're not teaching them how to have it for themselves. Um, If we can get to the next slide. Um, How disappointing is this slide? This is a Where's Waldo, if you can't tell. Why is this really disappointing? It's, I already circled it, right? And if I said, okay, now, Adam, learn how to read this. Le- le- find Waldo. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, he's, he's already circled him, right? And if I say, hey, let's read this passage, I already pulled out all the nuggets for you. Right? It's like shooting in the foot. Can we go to the next photo? Um, Compared to this, this is kind of weird. Um, but it's like, here's how to find him. Here's where he most often is. There's a whole bunch more of these things like, here's the eye pattern. And like, draw a grid over the page and move these, these directions to find him. That's how you teach someone to find Waldo, right? Um, if you did the first one and I got you a book and throughout the semester, each day we did a page and I had already circled Waldo. And the next year, I give you a book without Waldo in it. Could you find him? Probably not any better than you did the first time, right? But if the first year I coach you, here's how you find him. Here's how you learn more about God and connect that to your life. Then the next year, they're able to do that both for themselves and for the person they're discipling. Um, yeah, digestion is the point that it gets, like, that they get it, um, that it changes them. They're transformed into the image of God, that they're growing in the fruit of the Spirit. If you can look at someone before and after you've discipled them, and you can see they have grown in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, that's good. If they've memorized that verse and it hasn't changed their life, you know, I would choose the one where they have the fruit. Um, In nutrition, your diet and the amount you eat and even exercise don't matter if you're not digesting the nutrients. It's called cholera if you aren't absorbing the nutrients. It's not, it's not any good for you. How much you read, how much you study, if it's not changing, um, what's happening. So more is caught than taught. Um, I don't know if that's the next one or if that was the previous one. Um, in Philippians, it says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And 1 Corinthians says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You, and then it says in 2 Timothy, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, and persecution. How many of those things, I should have put that slide up there. How many of those things could you learn just from someone telling you those things? You can't read it, so I guess you can't really answer that. Um, 
You could know his teaching, but you wouldn't see or know his character. You can't tell someone character. You model it out and you live it by example. Um, so yes, teach them and walk with them through understanding, but model it out, live it out in your life. So if talking about prayer, talk about it and do it together. Talking about humility, live it out. I don't know what the practical exercise of that is, but like walk in those things. Um, yeah, and then here's some foundational elements. Um, I have not been keeping track of my time, so I think I'm pretty much done. Um, but these are the elements of um, they need a father or a parent, like help them discover the word for themselves, not so that they can be independent, but so that they can self-feed. Um, it'd be like, yeah, teaching someone to make scrambled eggs. You might get bored of like teaching them how to make scrambled eggs. And on Tuesday night, it's cooking class. And you're like, I want to make something super fancy and super bougie. But if you teach them how to make scrambled eggs, if you, if you either make something super fancy for them or you teach them how to make scrambled eggs, which one will feed them the next morning? Scrambled eggs. You might be like, really? Let's do something fun and complicated. Like, go for the scrambled eggs every time. Um, family, you do it together. Um, yeah, um, food. We talked about that, like teach them how to cook for themselves and in community. Um, there's foundations of things that are probably more elementary and more important to hit before you hit other things. Um, I have a list of those I'd love to share with you. Um, and then freedom. Um, yeah, there's freedom in Christ. And I think that's one that's very rarely connected. Is like, man, do you realize he can set you free from your sin habits and your shame and your fear and your anxiety and things that happened in your past? Like, he can set you free from those things. Not just, like, paint over them and be like, oh, that's all good. But, like, he can walk through healing and comfort in those things. Um, so this probably doesn't answer all of your questions about discipleship, but I hope this has helped you start understanding like how good God is in some ways that we can know him. I know this is like the end of a semester. If some of these questions are still stirring, I'm here all summer. I live here. Um, or if as you look to the next year, like let these things boil in your brain and be like, cool, I think I want to do this, even if it's starting with one person. Um, yeah, I'm pretty confident that if you start pursuing that, the spirit will take it from there. Can I pray for us? I don't know if you, I pray or you. Commission, Reverend. Yeah. Father, you're good. Um, we love you. Um, we want to know you more and be more like you. Um, you are kind and you satisfy us and you give us everything we need. And we want to move towards you and we want to pull other people along with us to know you more and be more like you. Um, would you show favor on this group who's here tonight? Um, who to walk with and how to walk with them that we don't have to start perfectly, but just start moving towards you and you will make it clear. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.